Hello, Sky friends, and thank you for joining us. This is Scott, your Seasons of Skyrend host and DM. As some of you may know if you follow us on social media, we had an issue with a file from a session becoming lost. Whether Corum called it home, or Pathox led it astray, we'll never know. What we do know is that you all deserve to know what happened during that session. Chapter 51, The Lost Chapter, is our way of keeping you informed. As more of an interactive narrative than a true gameplay session, we didn't end up rolling many dice. As fun as it would have been to split off into an alternate universe, some of the consequences of this session have already borne fruit in upcoming chapters. There are still some delightful changes, but don't be surprised if you can hear the dramatic irony in our voices. Now, due to the nature of this chapter, we ended up running a little short. And because we didn't want to put out a chapter that was too short, I decided to clean up some of our material from the cutting room floor and give you some outtakes. These are all at the end of the chapter, roughly the last 20 minutes in case you want to jump right to them, or skip them, keeping the illusion that we never mess up. And while I have your attention, I want to give a special thanks to RPGcasts.com for reaching out and including us in their wonderful community of podcasts. If you haven't heard of them, RPG Casts is a website where you can go and find amazing podcasts. They focus on surfacing RPG podcasts along with diversity and representation in the podcasting community. I've met so many wonderful people through them. Head over to RPGcasts.com to find some great podcasts like Mouse Guardians, The Broadswords, D&D Raw, and of course, Seasons of Skyrend. Thank you for listening. Now, please enjoy this lost chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. Welcome to Seasons of Skyrim, a custom 5th edition D&D adventure that focuses on the stories of our characters as they explore the world around them. I am your host and DM, Scott. Hi, my name is Shannon. I play Arnis Grey, or Grey the Great, to my fans. I am a half-elf bard. Hi, my name is Chris. I play Vale the Changeling Rogue, sometimes known as Kara Frostfall or Lord Carver Golddagger III. Hi, my name is Nate. I play Darvin Grimm, the Human Monk. Thank you for joining us. Please enjoy this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. We all make mistakes, mortals and non-mortals alike. The good news is, that's no reason to stop trying. You might find yourself among new allies, or you might see a new side to an old acquaintance. The point is, you learn from it and move on. Don't look back on what was, when what is and what can be means so much more. Thank you for joining us today. We have a very special chapter, because the original file for this was lost. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> That's right, Katie. And unfortunately, we've already recorded what happens after this, and after that as well. So, rather than redo everything and replay it with a new outcome... We're going to do this as a little bit more of an interactive narrative. I've got the beats written down from this lost chapter, and hopefully Nate, Shannon, and Chris remember basically what they did. If not, I will poke them, uh, or throw dice at them, whichever. Something's going to work. Dice uh-huh. please. So while there may be fewer dice rolls, the story should remain unaffected. Luckily, I still have a few things written out from that, including our intro. So... Honey Hollow sleeps in late today, much of the city having been up late thanks to the rocking performance of Quince with Grey the Great. Sweet William made a lot of money last night. Unfortunately for Vale, 
they weren't able to catch even one note of the show. They were watching Lorraine, bound and gagged in the stables. Rex proved to Lord Golddagger that he can do more than mock when he came to check on his friend and patient. Of potentially greater concern, Mayor Morasca is readying for a trip to Vermilion and has given the party a hard deadline for carrying out the attack on Count Valance in Karami. You have at least a few days before Brizendine and Vizcara are done with Darwin's sword. Their way of saying thanks. What are you up to in the meantime? This is when you guys went out searching for potions. Because you had none. Oh, yeah. I stayed behind and watched my pregnant captive. Yes, you are still in the wagon. So if I remember correctly, you guys went looking for health potions after Dr. Corey informed you that he is all out. Right. And he had a suggestion of where we might go look. Indeed. And so that's where we went. That's where we went. And asking Dr. Corey for more guidance, Mm -hmm. he reminds you, well... You know, if there's anybody else in the city who might have some healing potions, it would be Bacata. She does a lot of herbs and oils and mixtures and stuff. There's a chance she has some. Okay. And her shop is Bacata's Herbs and Oils. And you can find that easily enough. That's where we go. All right. When you arrive at the shop, the door is closed and locked, and you see a sign that says, Closed for Refurbishment. I knock anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Smart. Always. <laughs> Never take no for an answer. There's a very gruff voice from the other side of the door. What do you want? We're closed. I can say that, but we are in need of health potions, and we're wondering if you can supply us with those, or can direct us towards someone who might be able to. Uh, and you hear someone walking up towards the door. It unlocks, and opening the door is Cortland Sr., the father of CJ, the flower master, whom Vale had disposed of previously. And looking inside, you can see that a number of shelves have been removed. A bunch of stuff is empty. There are large tanks in the back. There's the sound of work going on in the back room, too. As you can tell, we're not exactly set up to sell anything. Kind of busy remodeling the place. Gonna do something new. Well, we don't need cash register or anything. We can... Pay you one-to-one. That's not a big deal. We're just wondering if in any of those boxes somewhere there happens to be health potions. Look, whether there is or there isn't, it's not going to be easy to find. I don't have time for that. The longer we're closed, the less money we're making. So what is this going to be then? Look, Kata and I, we're opening up a gin joint. We're going to be making it ourselves. Should be really good. But in the meantime, we're closed. You can go away. Okay, if you don't want my money. Sounds good. And Cortland turns around and starts heading back in, and he's loudly complaining to Makata, Ugh, these people, don't they know how to read signs? And she will kind of very passively comfort him as she heads out the door and closes it partway behind her to speak with the two of you. <sighs> Look, I'm really sorry about that. You know how Cortland Sr. gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything I can do for either of you? We're just looking for health potions, wondering if that was something that in your previous career you had on hand. That's not something that I usually have. It's not usually what my customers are after, but uh, I do have some. And as a way of saying sorry for Cortland, just give me a moment. Bacata heads inside for a minute before returning back out. So Bacata gives you a potion of greater healing as a way of apologizing for Cortland Sr.'s rude behavior. And at this point, there's nothing else really that you guys need from the city. At this point, I think you were ready to head out. Cool. Off we go. So, you gather Earl Earl and Olwan from Earl Moore's vacation home. And you pay your tab and head back up to the wagons, where Vale and Lorraine... And the halfling woman are all still present and waiting. Uh, anybody seen Sam? (laughs) (laughs) And a few minutes later, Sam, extreme bedhead with sniffins by his side, comes walking up. He's feeling awfully comfortable. Oh, heard you guys were talking about heading out. I think I'm good to go now. Cool. (laughs) Then it seems like it's uh, about that time. And Jacks. All right. And sure enough, as you're preparing to leave, so too is Maraska, Captain Thorne, Castor, and a number of other citizens. And Maraska will remind you of your deadline for finishing your business in Karami with Count Balance, which is now just under five weeks away. 
Yeah, yeah, we got it. Where are you up to? She already told you. Did we do that in a previous We already episode? did that. Good. Just I'm off to Vermilion. I already told you. We need a new Flower Master. Remember? Wink, wink. Oh, yeah. The Flower Master. <laughs> I'm a little dense. All right. I Feels know. like forever ago that we had that conversation. Yeah, I've okay. been to your show. I know. I got it. Thanks. I know what I want to say, but I'm not going to do it. Which is in addition to being a criminal, you're also exceedingly mean. But it's fine. I'm not going to say that. Right, class. Oh. And the doors to the stables open. Maraska and her crew take the lead out. And as your wagon heads out, you can tell that the snow has gotten only worse. It is now a blizzard. Visibility is extremely low. And you head out to the point in the road where it bends farther up north. And Brizendine and Vizcara are off to the west. Who's going to go get Garvin's sword? Oh, yeah. I go. Damn it, Vale! <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't go. I stay with the pregnant captive. As Sam asks, oh, so it's just going to be the two of you going off then? I, I guess so. You asked him to join you. Oh. Why don't you come with us? You're good at tracking. <laughs> Thank you, Darby. Those skills might come in useful on this journey. Well, yeah, when I got Sniffins with me, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you should come, too. Okay, then. Vale, you gonna be all right with just Earl Earl and Ulwan? I'm sure I'll be fine. All right, then. Let's let's get going. And at this point, we will follow Aranis and Darvin, along with Sam and Sniffins, as you head out into the snowstorm. And traveling through this extreme snow, you begin to lose your way. But... Through the flurry of snow, you notice a bright light shoot up into the sky, where it hangs for a few minutes, before dropping back down. Darvin, you're able to use this as a waypoint, so to speak. You can tell which direction it's coming from, and which way Brizendine's cave lies in relation. I must have made a nice roll. <laughs> Indeed you did. And as Darvin corrects your course and guides you through the snow, you see these lights a few more times. And eventually the four of you all make it to Brizendine's cave, where he and Vizcara await. And as you enter into Brizendine and Vizcara's chamber, the two of them are chatting, and just basically enjoying each other's company. What do you guys do? Announce our presence. Oh, wait. Have you play a song of greeting? Do you want to play a song of greeting, Aranis? Sure. All right. What's this song that you play? So it's happy, and it's upbeat. It's often something I will play to kind of ingratiate myself to a crowd, like to say hello to them if they don't know who I am. I think it should start with the ding-dong melody, like ding-dong, and then, you know, go into the song from there. That'd be cool. That would be nice if I had an effects pedal, but I no, no, no. don't, no, just... because there's nothing to plug in. You have a headstock, right? You can play a little <laughs> fake harmonics by playing notes behind the headstock and then go ding-dong, like that. Or you could use real harmonics. There's a ton of ways to do it. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> Darvin's over here, like, asking you to do some crazy bullshit. Like, you wanted me to play a song, I'm gonna play a friggin' song, okay? Like, just calm down. Stop trying to produce me. Alright, alright. <laughs> but I'm not allowed to play percussion either. You're seriously limiting my artistic abilities. Who's the bard here? Me or you? You are. You have a thing. I have a thing. You let me do my thing. I'll let you do your thing. All right? Fine. And I play the song. All the while, just looking yeah. at him like I'm going to murder him. <laughs> Happy, upbeat tune, murderize. Darwin does nothing. <laughs> Vizcara and Brizendine take note of your approach. <laughs> and Vizcara will speak directly to Darwin. So good to see you again. Likewise. We, we just finished up with your sword. Oh, nice. If you would care to take a look. I would very much. Brizendine hands Vizcara your sword to be presented to you. And it has definitely changed since the last time you saw it. One side of this blade has been notched to resemble dragon's teeth. And draconic runes have been carved into the blade, which can be activated by touch with the proper words. Very similar to the sun orbs. Vizcara hands this over to you in a very ceremonial type style. You know, one hand under the, the handle, one hand under the blade. Hmm. Our way of saying thanks for freeing me. Thank you, and you're welcome. I take it. Do be careful. I will. And Vizcara and Brizendine will explain to you that they have imbued it with Vizcara's power, 
as opposed to brizendines. So rather than fire or heat, this sore has extra acid abilities, including just base damage and an acid spray ability. Nice. You're more than welcome to stay the night if you wish. We aren't going anywhere. Thank you, but we're in a hurry. I think we'll be heading out into this dangerous blizzard. What could go wrong? I can't possibly imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't worry. I'm sure it'll only get better as you guys keep moving on. I'm sure. (laughs) These types of snowstorms just blow right through. It's a 24-hour storm, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And the four of you head back out into the snow. Darvin and Arnis, as you, along with Sand and Sniffins, leave Brizendine's cave, the snow only gets worse. And despite your best efforts, you quickly lose your sense of direction in the darkness and the snow. Uh-oh. What do you do? Head toward the lights. Is that what you, I do? That is what you did. But, but at first I have to find a light, right? That's right. So thinking that surely another one of those lights could go off any time, you stand and wait in the frigid wind until eventually one shoots into the sky. And then I head towards it. And the four of you trudge through the snow in that direction. Yeah. Alright. At this point, we go back to Vale. So, Vale, as the snow continues to fall and limit your visibility, it's you and Earl Earl and Ulwan watching over the halfling woman and Lorraine. You will probably be here for a good day, knowing how far away Brizendine's cave is. So what are you up to while you wait? Preparing camp, setting traps in case we have someone attack us tonight, and just generally waiting. What kind of trap are you setting? I use what's left of my you, oil yeah. flask to make some oil potential burning crossbow bolts. Uh, I think I used some string and a bell to set an alarm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's all I think I was able to do. Earl Earl sees to the campfire because he wants to stay warm tonight. As everybody is really just doing their best to stay warm and stay occupied. Lorraine, for the most part is being well-behaved. She still mumbles through her gag at you, gives you some very cross eyes, but she has made no overtly physical attempts at escape. And everybody sort of settles in for the night. And it's a few hours into your rest when you hear your bells chime. And I get out to see if I can see what's going on. You very carefully and quietly peek out of the wagon to find three figures approaching, trying to be subtle. But failing. And I'm pretty sure I, I launched the attack. <laughs> Alright, where are you hiding at? Uh, let's say behind one of the wagons, sure. Vale slinks out of the wagon. Ready's an attack. Do you shoot? Do you stab? I shoot from range. <laughs> and you shoot one of these characters in the back. He lets out a scream. You get everybody's attention, and the fight is on. They are constantly chasing you around. As you dip around the wagon, under the wagon, dive into the snow. As you're hiding under the snow, one of the attackers approaches your hiding position. And you pop out, stabbing him in the thigh, nearly finishing him off. And he starts a limping run through the snow into the darkness. So I rush over to the fire, light one of my trap bolts on fire, take aim, and hit him square in the middle of the back. Indeed. As this flaming bolt hits him in the back, he falls down with a thump, and there's a little glowing body off in the snow. One of the attackers with a gnarly-looking club manages to corner you by the horses and knocks you unconscious. At this point, Earl Earl and Ulwan are out, and Ulwan more than Earl is trying to lend assistance. He's keeping them busy. While Earl Earl fetches one of his last doses of elven water and uses it to save your life. And he gives you a smile, pat on the head. Well, there you go. Wouldn't want you to think I had it out for you. And I reluctantly thank him because he did save my life, but I don't like him because he's a dick. And I begin to clean up the bodies that are all dead. Well, they're not all dead yet. one has managed to take care of one of them, but... The last attacker, he is still dueling with. And you approach this person from behind. They, believing you're dead, don't suspect a thing. I stab him. Where do you stab him? 
get him one in the with my hidden blade, one of them, one like in the neck. Oh. And the blade goes right through his neck, coughs up blood before collapsing in the snow. Yeah. Well, one will say, "Whew." Well, that one was a little bit hairier than I was expecting. Uh, what are we going to do with these guys? I tell them I will bury them in the snow. <laughs> and as you do so, you search through their belongings. Other than some crude weapons, they had a small amount of money on them. And a number of sets of manacles. Shackles. Which apparently didn't get to go to any use tonight. And you bury them, along with most of their belongings... In the snow. And one of their weapons appears to be missing. And as you make your way back into the wagon, there, near Lorraine, is one of the swords, and a note from Earl Earl, offering you a clean and deniable form of ridding yourself of your company. Specifically Lorraine. I take the sword and I throw it out in the snow, and I... Yeah, I kept the note. And I go to bed. And Earl notices that you did not take... Him up on his offer. He gives you a look. You're not exactly sure what it means if he's disappointed, impressed, but he definitely notices that you didn't follow through on it. And you all head back to bed. Sick time. Meanwhile, you go back to Arnis and Marvin, along with Sam and Sniffins, who are now wandering through the snow towards one of these beacons of light that shot up. And you find the source of it, which appear to be these pit traps in the snow. And about 20 feet down, there are a number of ice spikes with a wolf impaled on them. And as you inspect it, very much aware of the danger, a group of halflings appear on a dog sled. Are they evil or friendly halflings? They don't instantly attack you. Relatively friendly. One of the halflings, Harkin, he approaches, says, That's our prize. Let's get our food. Oh yeah, of course. All yours. What are you doing out here? We are lost in the blizzard. We saw bright lights and figured well, people that, that way. Well, that's no place to be. That, that we agree. Why don't you come along with us? You good with that, Arnett? Yeah. And you all head off to the wild halfling village. Their homes are nowhere near as far underneath the snow as Honey Hollow. There are wooden planks that lead down, but the roofs appear to be even with the level of the snow. And Harkin will escort you down into their feast hall, where there are a number of long tables with benches, torches and candles burning. And there's a faint smell of smoke coming from the torches and from some meat dish being prepared off in the kitchen. While Vale is off fighting strangers in the night, you are being escorted by Harkin into the wild halfling village, into their feast hall. And we're still not that sure we can trust them, right? Except that it appears they're feeding us. Yeah. Seem cool. Maybe Darwin was just still naturally suspicious. That seems fair. But they haven't done anything obviously malicious yet. And they did kind of rescue us. A little bit. And they bring out large hunks of meat. It's probably from other wolves. You do see some fish getting passed around. The fish is mostly blackened. And they offer you some of their home-brewed vodka. Mm. Do you guys take it? Okay. Alright, I'll drink some vodka. And it has a very salty taste to it. But it goes down smooth. Mm, and as you're all enjoying the food and the drink and the company, you hear a bit of a chanting and a pounding of glasses on the table. As Harkin tells you, must be Theria, our, our leader. She always draws a big crowd. And emerging from around the corner with a huge mug of this vodka between her hooves is a halfling woman who, from about the rib cage up, is Llama. And she finishes off her vodka in a big gulp before throwing it down into the corner. Uh, and everybody cheers. And she welcomes her new visitors. I see we've got some guests here today. I don't know what brings you here, but you're welcome. Mm, thanks. Please eat. Please enjoy our drink. Uh, and she'll come by and uh, run a hoof along each of your heads in a somewhat flirtatious manner. <laughs> Arnis appears... I'm so confused by this. <laughs> seen a lot of things in my travels. A half llama is not one. Until now. Sam is very receptive of her attention, and the two of them sneak off out of the dining hall. Yeah. And as you finish up eating, what is it you guys do? You do still need to get back to Vale. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Are we done here? We need to know how to leave. Uh, we don't know how to get back to the road. Also, did we ask about like time of day? Like, is it likely to? It's not likely to improve anytime soon, huh? We just need oh, the storm. Yeah, yeah. I realized after I said time of day that that's probably made irrelevant by the storm. And the fact that there's no sunshine in this part of the continent. It's oh, all yeah. Like here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, none of that matters. Though. So I go talk to Harkin and see how, like, what's a good way for us to get back to the road? Is there any, but leaving soon? Like, what? Yeah, that's what we do. Huh. We need to do that. Well, and Harkin will tell you, well, unless one of those lights goes off again, we're not heading back out to check the traps anytime soon. But uh, Solvan, him and his crew, they're about to head towards the shore to go do some fishing. They might be able to get you a little closer to the road if you don't mind a slight detour. That sounds good if it avoids the traps, yeah. Yeah, we don't mind. Exactly, I was just going to say, probably less chance of falling in one of our traps. I'd hate to have to get you if you fell in. Be a shame. (laughs) Thank you. I'm just kidding, we don't need people. So you and Darwin are all set to go, save for the fact that Sam seems to be preoccupied. Right. When are these people leaving? Oh, pretty soon. An hour or so. Okay. You better go get Sam. Yep. Okay. I'll go with you to support, but this is usually your, you know. This is my area of expertise? Really? This? Yeah, you pull Sam out of delicate situations from which he's reluctant to leave. I have never done that before, (laughs) ever. Really? Not once. Uh, well, it seems like an RNS kind of thing. <laughs> and Harkin will lead you towards Theria's home. Oh, that's... Oh. If he's still with her, then your buddy Sam's in there. But, uh, you know, she probably doesn't want to be disturbed. Your call, though. Fish and sled leaves in about an hour. Well, I suppose we should confirm he's in there. You should have a song written for this kind of scenario. You know, the bass, knock, knock, Sam, come on out, we need you now. Knock, knock, time for a cock block? I what? Was, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. You read my damn mind. Like, really? I have a... I, artist is not really one to cock block people. Yes, Usually, that's what you need. He's about kind of do your thing, mostly. Right, but in these specific instances... This is the only time I've ever encountered this instant. Whatever. I knock on the door. Haven't there been other times we've been looking for Sam and he's been preoccupied and it's... We, have, we haven't been in a rush to go anywhere. It's just been like, hey, I wonder where Sam went. Okay, fair enough. And we found him in somebody's house. Mm-hmm. But it's never been like, hey, put on your pants, we have to go. <laughs> like, we've never... That's never happened. So, um, uh, I, I knock on the door. And Sam and Theria will tell you that they need a few minutes. Okay, we just wanted to confirm that you were in there? Yeah, yeah, uh, come back in like half an hour, 45 minutes. Okay, our ride <laughs> leaves in an hour, so we'll be back in 45 minutes. I guess we go take and, a walk. And you, you return, Sam is nowhere in sight. I knock again. Oh, right, just another 20 minutes or so. We're, uh, yeah, just a little S- bit more time. Sled leaves in 15 minutes, so it's time to, uh... I don't know. You need to come out. <laughs> uh, and at that, Sniffins comes running up between you and tries to get your attention. And he's basically uh, trying to push you back from the door. <laughs> hey, buddy, you're cute. That's not going to work. <laughs> and every time you reach a hand up to try to knock on the door again, Sniffins jumps up and kind of like bats your hand away. <laughs> and he'll like jump up in your on your chest and he'll lick at your face. Buying Sam yeah. at least a few more moments. Hey, dude, seriously, time to go. All right, fair enough. I'll get out. I'm coming. And Sam opens the door, still getting dressed again. And the four of you are able to join the fishing expedition. Head south. And after a short trip down through the snow towards the coast, Solvan will bid you a farewell. Well, folks, if you're heading back towards the road, this is the point where you pretty much got to get off. Just head east, and he'll point off in a direction. And you should find it before it's too late in the day. Thank you. Several hours later, you make it back to the road just south of Honey Hollow. Not too far from where you encountered Lorraine and Rex. Just a few days ago. And at this point, rest sure would feel nice. Sleep would be great. 
That would mean another day away from Vale and the rest of your party. What do you do? Like idiots. Push on. Push on. We're so close. So close. And at this point, you pushing yourself past the point where sleep would be good and beneficial. You all gain level one exhaustion. Meaning you have disadvantage on any sort of ability checks. It's not a good place to be. But really, all you need to do is just keep walking. Yeah. You'll get there eventually. Yeah. It's this. And you pass up the entrances to Honey Hollow, knowing that your wagons are surely just up ahead. And you continue pushing on, past where you could go inside and have a warm night's sleep and fresh food. And it's a few hours later when you see the campfire out by the wagons. And you know that it's just a matter of time before you rejoin your party. But it is the middle of the night. And there's a chance that your companions are sleeping and perhaps a little bit on edge from any sudden appearances or noises. I do believe this was actually a Darwin's request, if I recall. Yeah, it totally was. Hey, <laughs> okay, Arnis. So, Darwin, remembering how successful Arnis' songs of greetings have been in the past. Yeah. Yeah, Arnis, your songs of greeting are always super successful. <laughs> Plus, our friends... Friend? Friends are asleep, maybe, and we wouldn't want them to think we're arms intruders or anything. Maybe you should play a song of We Have Returns, and they know it's us. Hey, Darvin, what a good idea. <laughs> no, I'm just full of good ideas. Literally all of my ideas that have to do with what you should play always turn out really well. All right, Arnis, go, go ahead and roll the dice. You're at disadvantage for this performance check. It's late. And at this point, Arnis rolls a double crit fail, which I have to say is probably the best thing I've ever seen at our table. (sighs) You're tired. Your fingers are cold and numb. And you try to work the strings and the chords. And your hands just aren't having it. And the loot slips out of your hands, landing belly side first with an audible crack. And upon closer inspection, you look down, and sure enough, there it is, from one end to the other, this huge crack opening on the backside of your lute. You give it a few test strums, try out a few chords, and it all just sounds terrible. No one would pay you to play that. But sure enough, everybody wakes up. I'm going to have to play the spooky lute now. That's right, you've still got your other lute. With the spooky voice. That was your plan all along, wasn't it? <laughs> I like the spooky loop. Spook- <laughs> no, that was his plan. I just like the spooky I just like that it turned out that way. But the sound of your terrible playing does wake your companions. And who should be the first one to greet you but Earl Earl? He comes rushing out. I'm so glad you're back. And while your friend has been sleeping, I've been working on another treatment for our halfling friend. Now... This will take the last of my elven water, so I won't be able to help anybody anymore. I had to had to rescue Vale once already tonight, and I wouldn't be able to do that again. But I think it might work. Crosses his fingers. What do you guys think? I waited until you came back, since I know your rule. No experimenting without you. I can go ahead and try it. Hmm? Darwin? Sure, sure. Excellent. And you all gather around the middle wagon as Earl Earl climbs in and mixes his last attempt at reviving this woman with Olon steadfastly by his side. And he pours it down her throat. And the glow that you saw from her before begins again, starting with her, but brighter this time and more intense as it washes over everybody in the group. Immediately, Sam and Sniffins out of reflex combine into their Tamani form. What's everybody thinking? <laughs> and I'm very sad because it was my dad's loot. <laughs> Not lose it, meaning great. I'm sad. And everybody can feel Arnus's sadness at breaking his loot and his disappointment, anger, frustration with Darvin. What's the what's the word we're looking for here? I'm tired. I think it's more like annoyance than anything else. My fault you dropped your loot. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that was like, hey, Arnis, go ahead and 
play a song and greeting. You it's went fine. to bar college. I assume they taught you how to hold the thing properly. My mistake. <laughs> well, now that it's broken, can I just hit him over the head with it? Like, <laughs> so Darwin can feel Aradis's disappointment and frustration. And then right afterwards, Arnis can feel like Darwin's blame shifting back to Arnis <laughs> of this. And he takes a half-hearted swing. It's Darwin in the back of the head with a little elkabong. Ow. But more importantly, you can feel Sam's amazement at this. He was certainly not expecting to transform. You can feel Earl Earl's excitement because he did something really cool in his own eyes. And coming from this woman, you feel appreciation and kindness and the sense of love that comes out of community rather than romance or, you know, familial love. And this time, with her awake, you can tell how much more powerful it is. And you can tell that not only are you all sharing feelings and thoughts, but she could probably push that out if she wanted to and make you take these thoughts and feelings as your own, or take the ones that you have and remove them from you. But that quickly vanishes as she sits up and wraps her arms around Earl Earl, and you hear her say, thank you, before she falls back down, and you hear her breathing as if she is asleep. And with that, we'll bring this chapter to a close. But the story will always continue. Podcast art created by Vanessa Blockland. You can find more of her art on Facebook or at vanessablockland.com. Blockland spelled B-L-O-K-L-A-N-D. Podcast music by Daryl Dibber Reconos. You can find more of his music at dibber.mo or at soundcloud.com slash dibbermusic. Dibber spelled D-I-B-U-R. Website design by Patrick Dunkerley over at dunkdesigns.com. Thank you for listening to this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find us. If you want to chat, we're on Twitter at Skyrend Podcast, or you can email us at skyrendpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us online at skyrendpodcast.com. This week's chapter is made possible thanks to our wonderful cast and crew, all of you amazing listeners, and our special friends who would like to say hello. Okay, so you find yourself in a rustic tavern. It's lit by a fire and a half and a grumpy-looking bartender. And, uh, I rule to crime. What? I rule to crime. Oh, crime. I'm proficient. I assist. Sweet. I rule to crime with advantage. Okay, all right. What crime exactly are you committing? Uh, to steal the hearts of everyone listening to us right now. No, I take it back. <laughs> Lore Disorder is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast where the worst kind of people team up to rid the world of slightly more worse people. It's a whole thing. We're not the worst. Follow us on iTunes or on your podcatcher of choice. Find us online at that'snotcanonproductions.com or find Lauren Disorder on Facebook and Twitter. And now, on with the game. A That's Not Kind of Productions podcast. So if I remember correctly, you guys went looking for health potions after Dr. Corey informed you that he is all out. Right, and he had a suggestion of where we might go look. Right? Indeed. And so that's where we went. That's where we went. The gin okay. place. Except we don't know it's a gin place. <laughs> we don't know what it is. Sorry, I'm not helping, am I? I don't think it really matters. <laughs> so yeah, we went to what 
What, what did it used to be? It used to be the, like... You, it was like... You didn't know, so, uh... It was a... Oh, we didn't know. Never mind. Uh, Dr. Knew. Vale knew, didn't Vale you? knew. Nobody knew. This Sorry. is a new development. Didn't Vale have some... <laughs> no, didn't, didn't Vale have some interaction with what it used to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's Right, but we wouldn't so know Vail that. Knew. So it doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, you would know that... You would know the shop exists because you've all been in the city and have gone walking around. But we didn't know Vale went there. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know Vale went there, and you don't know that it's out. Yeah, this is going to go real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just give me a moment. Mikata heads inside for a minute before returning back out and offering you a small vial of uh, healing potion. If I remember correctly, this is a greater potion of healing. Uh, it was. Did we use it already? Damn. We used it already. <laughs> What do you think, Darth? Damn it. <laughs> do you think we used it? You remember that one time when we had 11 healing potions and then they were like, oh, no, we don't. Now they're all gone. We used yeah. them all. Because I'm pretty sure that happened too. So, yes, yeah. I <laughs> and a few minutes later, Sam, extreme bedhead with sniffins by his side, comes walking up. He's feeling awfully comfortable. Oh, heard you guys were talking about heading out. I think I'm good to go now. Cool. <laughs> then it seems like it's uh, about that time. And Jeff's. All right. What time? About that time. Oh, it's that time. What time? Time Another to time? go. We'll leave the time. Yes. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> you got something else you want to do, Dharma? And sure enough. <laughs> this is the worst. And it's so awesome. And sure enough, as you're preparing to leave, so too is Maraska, Captain Thorne, Castor, and a number of other citizens. And you head out to the point in the road where it bends farther up north. And Brizendine and Vizcara are off to the west. Who's going to go get Garvin's sword? I'll go. go. Damn it, Vale! <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't go. I stay with the pregnant captive. Those who do not laugh with us. Vale's trying to go off script. <laughs> not that we usually have a script. We don't. But, but important thing happened. Important things happened while Vale stayed behind at this juncture. <laughs> vale, you gonna be all right with just Earl, Earl, and one? I'm sure I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Dun dun dun. <laughs> What could possibly go wrong? All right, then. Let's let's get going. We have you play a song of greeting. Do you want to play a song of greeting, Arnis? Sure. All right. What's this song that you play? How is it a greeting song? It's the Cheers theme song. <laughs> it's basically the equivalent of the Cheers theme song. <laughs> what non-trademark violation song do you play? <laughs> I'm not going to start singing it. Sorry. What non-copyright violation because song do you play? It's, it's, it's the equivalent of that, so it's not that. Um, it's the Flaming Moe's song. Got that's it. That's what I was going to say. It's, you know, it's basically a song that's like, it's... Describe the beat, the melody. It's happy and it's upbeat and... Then you clap your hands. What's the tempo? 160? It's incredibly fast, so no. Um, <laughs> Not that fast. Um, it is in drop D. All, all the early Metallica is in 212. I don't know what that means. 212 beats per minute as opposed to 160. So 160 is not that fast. But never mind. I thought you were a bard. Just not. I am. Like 60 is slow. That's <laughs> why um, so I'm confused. Um, anyway. Veil. It's snowing. <laughs> it is. Oh, you're out of toys. <laughs> Did you throw all the toys, Kaylee? All of them. That's how we play this game. You give her toys and she, she throws plays them. them a little. She throws them off. And yeah, put them back on there. It's like fetch, but backwards. Yeah. Well, in this version of fetch, she's the human, and uh, parents are <laughs> the dogs. Thank you, Scott. If you're playing fetch, somebody has to play the dog, and someone has to be the human. It's true. Can't it be a, a, a modified version of catch? <laughs> sure, we'll call it that. Yeah. Call it a some sort of fake catch game, faux catch, fetch, fetch. That's good. Faux, faux catch, catch. Fetch. faux catch, fetch. fetch. We got there. Okay. 
and they bring out large hunks of meat. It's probably from other wolves. You do see some fish getting passed around. The fish is mostly blackened. Probably because they they found it inside the wolf. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. What what about the inside of a wolf turns fish black? Just the process of, you know, digestion. I would think that stomach acid. So they got digested fish from a wolf. Wait, wait, never mind. Because you're talking about wolf scat. This no, is why he's not never mind. A science teacher. Folks. <laughs> never mind. Reasons why Nate doesn't teach science right here. I was not trying to go where that went. That was not my intent at all. <sighs> well, myself, the uh, I was about to call him the trap keepers, and that's so close to trapper keeper. I can't do <laughs> it. You can just call him the trapper keeper. Like his people could be the trappers, and he's the one who looks after them. No, so he is the trapper Mm-mm. keeper. Mm-mm. Facebook is the new trapper keeper. Yeah, so it's not even a thing anymore. Actually, probably now Snapchat is the new trapper keeper. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, a little. Darwin is probably the best manager in the business at this point. <laughs> Only manager in the business. If it's the business of uh, Grey the Great, anyways. Put on my cool looking sunglasses. Ooh, what makes them so cool? They're just nighttime. (laughs) Manager. I decided it's not the belt buckle of Sir Carl Luminous, because why would he be wearing a belt buckle of himself? So instead of Sir Carl Luminous, the belt buckle. Oh, that makes sense. Very, very Spaceballs-like. I'm very excited about this belt buckle. About your little man on your on your belt. I really am. It's like the perfect sort of gaudy belt buckle for... You could, like, go to a rodeo now. I totally can. Well, yeah. except for the animal cruelty, that would probably buzz you. Yeah, that would not be my, my jam. Even if it was just, like, barrel riding? I might be okay with that. It doesn't have to be, like, lassoing mm. creatures. Yeah. Which I understand is a necessary part of, like, actually wrangling these animals to move them distances. Mm-hmm. Right. But as a show, it's like, mm. It's kind of like, mm. I get why you need to do, be able to do this, and why it's impressive you can do it so quickly. But, like, uh, really, this seems unnecessary. It's probably still better than circuses. I, I can almost <laughs> emphatically 100% say, yes, it's better than a circus. Because it's not like running is a trick for those animals. Right. Have you heard about those horses that do that fancy, like, really high step Mm-mm. walking? Yeah. They do it by placing uh, something on the back of their heels, like right above the hooves. That just slowly burns them. It ah. teaches, teaches them to step very lightly until they can do it on command. Oh, my God. It is incredibly mean. Yes. But one of the two major circus companies is getting rid of all their animals. Oh, uh, yeah. Barn right? and Bailey. Just shut down. They're, yeah, they don't exist done. anymore. Oh, they are? They just shut down? I yeah. thought they are just I mean, once you get rid of the animals, what's the left? Animals? No, they officially shut down. They didn't even get rid of the animals. They're just clipping down. Wow. Yeah. 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 They, in because the day they, they shut it down, they lost two, two tigers. They had tried, because they had tried doing a couple different circuses that were basically, like, animal-free in addition to their, like, regular circus, and they just, they weren't doing well. So when the kind of notice finally came down that they had to get rid of all their animals, they were basically like, well, we're done. We're done. We can't do it anymore. Yeah. Unless you're doing, like, fancy acrobatic performances, like, which, uh, which like, like, Which they were a little bit, but, like... But then, like... Can you really compete with Cirque du Soleil in their own field? No, no, no. Nobody can. You can try. You might be able to do modestly at it, but Barnum and Bailey, it's like, no, we can't make that big a change. Mm -hmm. I've been to a circus since I was a little kid, anyway. It's been a long time. I've been to fairs, but circuses are... It's a little bit more rare around here. Yeah. I remember seeing an advertisement for one, like, a few years back, but it was a real, like, small-scale local version I don't want to see that. There was another company, wasn't there? Like a major circus company? Probably. I don't remember the names, but and I don't think Barnum and Bailey had like a complete monopoly on it. But if I remember right, weren't there like two big ones? Yeah, Maybe. they merged. Uh, so so Ringling Brothers was its own thing. That was it. And Barnum and Bailey was its own thing. And then became Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. And then they merged and then went out of business. Yeah. Which is probably about were, I mean, they were together for a long time before. I can't help but feel a little bad, but at the same time, I know it's for the best. 
what I feel bad for. Like, I'm, I'm glad that they're not keeping animals anymore, I guess. But, like, I feel bad for all those people who have been, like, working in the circus for generations. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. the family business, and now it's just... This is the end of their life. It's dead. Like, what are they going to yeah. do now? Well, Ronald Bailey's been around for, like, hundred-something years, and now yeah. it's done. And now it's just dead. And I'm like, there are people that have worked for that circus for, like, it's, like, grandfather, great-grandfather, mm-hmm. great-great-grandfather, right? Like, I, I guess grandfather. they go find other, like, traveling fairs and carnival stuff to try to do. Unless they were animals specific like oh no we were the lion tamers it's like then do you go try to work at a lion preserve <laughs> maybe maybe it's you but that would look really weird on your resume I just want to help these lions live a nice peaceful normal life alright what you used to do I trained them to perform tricks <laughs> through various acts of semi-cruelty okay yes but yeah, you're right that might be hard to overcome I, I would think of it at like well at least you have experience with mm-hmm. animals, and you know that you're doing something different. But you're right, that might be. Maybe you flee the country to go work at circuses where it's still allowed. I mean, zoos aren't that great either, but at least like the central mission and principles behind zoos are a mm-hmm. good one. Before we start, Nate, you want to badmouth any uh, world-famous bands? Ooh. <laughs> the Beatles are overrated. <laughs> yeah. Shut that your should mouth. start some controversy. I'll not stand for this. Well, good, because you're sick. Figure out how Bale's going to die. Swarm of beetles. <laughs> you remember that scene in the, the original Mummy? To almost kill us. Dung beetles, probably. Mm, that's right. We'll roll up that whole shitty attitude we got going on over here and take it away. Oh, yes. <laughs> have to turn that down a little bit, because <laughs> the mic will definitely get that. It's nice, uh, some good Weezer you got going there. It's all good. It's all right. good. I just want to make sure can't have, like, Weezer on in the background. <laughs> you can have 30 seconds of Weezer. I don't know. I think 30 seconds might be a stretch nowadays. It's not, yeah, it's not even 30. It's, like, 20-something. There's, like, a specific... Oh, it can't be more than 30 is where it is. So it's, like, 29. Oh. I haven't looked at it in a while. And that's yeah. ground that I'm not willing to trade. No, no, no. It's okay. I don't... I don't understand. Besides, if you're going to do that, I would do it in a much fancier way than just, like, oops, that's all in the background. <laughs> it's like, someone does something badass, then we play this chord. <laughs> Bam. Oh, it won't be magic. Get <laughs> the strength out of them. Just hulk out. No, she's more dexterous than strong. She is still a rogue, after all. Oh, I guess that's true. He's used to being a barbarian half-orc. I'm just like... <gasps> the half-orcs are strong. And she is strong for a rogue. Yeah. But, but. she is still half-halfling. <laughs> that make her a quarterling? I, I was about to say, which I believe we already determined, <laughs> it makes her a quarterling. Nice. What's yeah. a halfling half of? What? what no, a halfling half is just its own species. Halflings are just, yeah, they're just short people. But it has they're, to be half of something. They're the equivalent the of hobbits. Except they're called halflings because they're yeah. half the size. Because it's hobbits a, were yeah. Tolkien's creation and they could not use that, so they just called them halflings. It's but the they the reason why there aren't Trents in this universe, they're called... Or Ents in this universe, they're called Trents. And why they have to spell fairy funny? No, I think that's just old-timey. But yeah, they're called halflings because they couldn't call them hobbits. They are in almost every other way, Pretty story-wise, incredible. hobbits. Yeah. They like food, they go shoeless, I think they get a will bonus. Sorry, that's older editions, there's no will. They, but they do, though, but it's like... They have a bonus against being frightened. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing, but there's no... Yeah, sorry. Like, it's wisdom-based. Yeah, there's just will. No, there's no, like, stat. Will save is older editions. Is that what keeps them able to resist putting on jewelry of temptation? Yes. I, I can almost guarantee you that came from that. They're really good at carrying this ring around. All right. I'll build that mechanic in. Plus one against jewelry. Plus <laughs> one against jewelry. <laughs> Ew, it's shiny. Get it away from me. They got that bling defense. <laughs> it sounds like something a really shitty lawyer would come up with. I call this the bling defense. <laughs> the defendant was wearing too much bling. I'm sorry, how do you expect Mr. T to possibly sneak into the situation with all of that clanging going on around his neck? And yes, they found a ring at the scene, but if a ring does not fit, you must acquit. <laughs> Sorry, sorry about that tangent. I apologize. It's terrible.
so proud of herself when she rolls over and then if you leave her there for too long, she gets really, really pissed off. About hey, being, put about me back. Being, I want to roll over again. About being on her stomach. We didn't exactly press him for information, did we? No, you didn't. No, not really. You just could tell he was lying. Because I knew he was lying. I'm like, oh, oh that's, that's right. not what he's <laughs> He is not a subterfuge person. No. He's a subterfuge? I also rolled it. Subterfuge? So, oh no, I rolled a 19 on the die. <laughs> mm. Well, the, if subterfuge, then the opposite of sub would be dom, so he's a domterfuge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we went there apparently today. Vale, as you're up in the wagon, minding Lorraine. Those three wagons that are getting prepared, you can see more supplies getting loaded in. There's a number of half-elks. Half-elks? Half-elks. <laughs> no, you haven't, Those are new. you haven't met them yet. You know there are no half-elks here. Um, Is that the half-elks you're looking for? Yay! By Spider Bite Beer Company. Is the spider on the half-elk segment? Mm, mm. No, it looks like he's got a head with one of those big old fur hats on it, and then the big old butt. So uh, I don't think they made a sentinel. This is uh, not trademark infringement. Well, I noticed it had eyes. Mm-hmm. It so it's got still, that going. Uh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Too bad. The uh, the hops symbol on it. Oh, yeah. The eyes are too human. Where's the spider eyes? Yeah. Isn't it supposed to have like twenty eyes? Do spiders have? It's more than multiple, eight, isn't it? I don't know exactly. <laughs> is it eight? One for every eye. Sorry. Yes, they have one, <laughs> one eye for every eye they have. That's circular logic. One for every leg. One eye for every eye. Wait a minute. What? Yeah. So if you take out one of their eyes, they can no longer use that leg. Also, yeah, justice in the spider that. world must be really complicated. I don't understand. An it's eye for, for an eye for an eye for an eye for an eye. Justice in the spider world. <laughs> Eye for an eye for an eye. I don't know, maybe maybe they don't even do eye for an eye. They're like, so? I got seven more. I'm so glad we're down to one Earl Earl now. I really am too. Those dudes were getting annoying. What? They're good times. No. They're fun boys. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I think you do. No, I don't. They were fun. They played lots of cool games. They worked together. That's teamwork. That's true. That's good teamwork. So what if they didn't exactly care for changelings? I think didn't exactly care is putting it the most mild you possibly could. That's underselling. It's like the understatement of the century. Hey, they took those changelings, most of whom, you know, in their eyes... Not good people, and gave them legitimate jobs. Uh-huh. We can keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Alright, I just realized the halfling woman is still in your wagons. Oh well. We should try to wake her up when we're on the way to. I was gonna say, you've got a doctor here if you just wanted to tromp her off. But oh, yeah, we could just drop You can her. take her with you if you want. But then if she has secrets with them, then. No, I'm kind of, now I'm like interested. I want to know about her because she's like weirdly magical. Hey, you just let Earl keep experimenting. No. <laughs> That's kind of a douche. He's a talented douche. Sure. He is talented. So Sweet Williams is more full, more bit, it's good. I need to learn how to conjugate words properly. It's <laughs> hard. If I had an English degree, it wouldn't matter what I said. Because apparently I've got rights and privileges. You do, so you can just make shit up. It's yeah, fun. Uh, I just listened to that part. <laughs> That's how it works. So good. <laughs> I loved it so much. <laughs> okay. Okay. The song is smooth, then. Your lute is playing off his piano, similar to voices in a duet. At this point, Sam begins to... Er, not Sam. Who? <laughs> Uh, at this point, Sam begins to join in with the lyrical part of the song. You mean Quince? Jesus, really? <laughs> what did I say? Sam. Again? Yeah. <laughs> You'd think these words aren't written on a page. Eh, sometimes it doesn't matter. <laughs>